Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. Hey, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a couple of our partners. These are some of the folks that help us keep the podcast going, and they've been nice enough to offer some exclusive discounts for our listeners. Now, if you've watched us on YouTube, you all know how we love to display our kicks when we're not rocking them. Sneaker Throne makes sneaker display cases featuring customizable LED lights, drop side cases to showcase your entire shoe, not just the heel, not just the toe, shoe trees, a number of other sneaker-related accessories. You can save 10% on your Sneaker Throne order by using the code HISTORY. You can find a link to Sneaker Throne in the description, or you can just head to sneakerhistory.com slash sneakerthrone, and it will send you directly to their site. Again, that's 10% off with the code HISTORY. Our friends at Prospect are the premier streetwear brand and sneaker boutique based in sunny San Diego, California. One of my favorite places. Prospect is not your typical hypebeast haven, though. They carry classic footwear from brands like Asics, New Balance, Puma, Saucony, as well as local and globally known streetwear brands like Belief, Illust, Rottweiler, Stussy, and many others. Not to mention their own Prospect label and the iconic Just a Kid from Dago collection. If you're a listener of the podcast, you can save 10% on all of your orders from Prospect through their website with the code HISTORY10. That's promo code HISTORY10 at prspctsd.com. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring the podcast or becoming a partner with our community, get in touch with us. You can reach us by email at podcast at sneakerhistory.com, and we'll get back to you with information about how we can partner. And now for today's episode... Georgian trying to shake off starts. Oh, what a move! LeBron James with no regard for human life. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Iverson against Gill. The crowd on its feet. Allen for the win. Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different. A little over six months ago, I took on a project that became known as Sneaker Convos. A huge thank you to my friend Joe for encouraging me to make it happen and helping me bring it to life, by the way. Sneaker Convos was intended to just be a few talks with fellow sneaker podcasters, some agency types, and a few other creatives. But, you know, me being me, I took those handful of conversations and turned them into 30 plus live streams over the course of nearly a week. I've been thinking about a lot of those conversations that were had recently and more specifically thinking about how we could better the whole experience the next time around. Today, I want to revisit one of my favorite conversations from that week with three people that I'm lucky enough to call friends. John Wexler, a.k.a. Wex, who is largely responsible for bringing talent like Kanye West, Pharrell Williams, and Snoop Dogg to the Team Adidas camp. My friend Jacques Slade, YouTube personality and entrepreneur known for incredibly popular sneaker unboxings. And Tamara Dia, known for hosting shows for Complex, MTV, and E, among many others. Each of these incredible people bring a unique expertise to the table. And as the relationship between brands and creators becomes more gray, 
and it's just evolving at a rapid rate. I wanted to ask them about their experiences and also how they see things changing in the future. So please enjoy this chat about the evolution of partnerships between brands and creators. Hey, what's good, everyone? Welcome back to Sneaker Combos. This is one of the conversations I've definitely been looking forward to throughout this week. Although I have to say, if you haven't checked out any of the other conversations, there's been some phenomenal knowledge being dropped by the people that have spent some of their week with me and, and had conversations and some of the other pe people that have even hosted the, some of the panels. Uh, it's just been a really phenomenal experience for me as someone who's craving the connection with some of my friends that are out there that I think just do cool shit and I want to be surrounded by those people. But with that said, I've got people that I think have been doing cool shit for a really long time and play an important role in the connection between the brand side, the you know individual creator side, and just navigating what that is at this point, right? Because we've gone from uh, you know, all of us kind of like being on a, on a platform and saying, hey, this is who I am and this is what I want to do to now having to think of who's watching, what that means for us in the way that we create, who we're actually creating for, and all of those things that ultimately run through our heads as we hit send on a post, right? So um, I'm going to start kind of in the way that I have it on the screen that I'm looking at. So Jacques, why don't you uh, let introduce yourself? Uh, what's up, everybody? My name's Jacques Slade. I am uh, almost as cool as Wex and definitely not as cool as Tamara. Uh, I make videos on YouTube about sneakers and technology. Uh, I do a sort of a talk show. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter and all of that good stuff, but I'm just happy to be here. Thankful that Nick invited me and hopefully something that I say at some point today uh, is relevant to you guys. I'm Tamara Dia and um, definitely not as cool as Jacques just said I was. <laughs> I play a cool kid on Instagram, <laughs> um, but I'm an um, on-air video host. I hosted for television and digital, um, and I also create a lot of sneaker content um, on Instagram uh, for a ton of brands that I'm sure we'll talk about today, and I'm actually very happy to be here, and I think it's so cool that you put this together, so thank you. So Wes, yeah. pressure's on, but you got the you got the single name, so therefore, I just that. That. <laughs> is that the statement? That was my statement of intent. So okay. um, no, it's great to be here with you guys, and um, you know I love that Nick put this form together. Uh, saw the slate of everybody that coming through; it looked really interesting. Um, and you know, thanks for putting this together when you when you shot me that note. I I was looking forward to doing this all month. Um, yeah, so I was formerly at Adidas for the last pretty much two decades, and now uh, I'm over at Shopify doing my life's work, helping creators build, you know, the brands of their dreams and launch them and create some cool experiences in the process. Man, I, I'm going to I'm going to run with what you just said, right? Life's work. I think it's it's so fascinating, right, that, you know collectively, I think we've all at some point had these conversations offline and, and I want to kind of put it out there again for us all to kind of uh, discuss, but like finding what that is, right, is is really a fascinating thing for the next generation, the people that, uh, you know, I, I think we all went through that time of like, like, what is it, right? Because, you know, even as things have evolved, we've had to shift gears and change and, and look at the different ways we could contribute. And one of the things like 
with with you saying that, Wex, I really admire that you have that clarity. And that's something that I've been working on in the last few years, just personally, is to, you know, kind of understand that, like, honestly, this event, right? Like, it's it's not like I, I am a creator in a lot of ways, but but my skill is in my relationships, my networking, bringing people together. And that's a really, uh, even just for me personally, that's a challenging thing because, you know, we live in a time where you, you got to put it out there. You've got to be showing what you're doing all the time. So how has, how has social media content, all of that stuff, you know, from a real broad perspective, changed and shaped the way you do things now versus maybe the way you worked with people or did things in the past for each of you? Who goes first? Me? Me? Go for it. You get to the content creators on this one, I think. Gosh. Um, uh, I mean, social media obviously has had a huge impact on the way that we that just even just the way, the way you interact. I don't want to say do business, just the way that you interact with the, with the public. You know, it social media is the norm now. Like, that's just the way like it's just a part of the communication. It's just as important. I feel like social media is just as important as like the live musician that's doing a live show. Uh, interacting with your audience on on social is is just as important because you know they crave that sort of interaction. Um, and a prior to that, you know, there was a lot a lot more like to yourself and not being able to really express fully who you are. And I think social media allows you to do that. The way that we that we operate now, you get to be different facets of yourself and express that through social media versus prior where. Um, you know, if you were a TV host like Tamara, like that's all you were. You were a TV host and you couldn't really do anything else. Whereas now Tamara can be a TV host. She can be a sneakerhead. She can be an activist. She can be all those things and express all those things through social media. So I think that's where what the benefit of social media is today. And that's what the differences, um, I think, are the biggest differences are from between the way we used to, we used to operate and the way that we operate now. I think also just the scope of how much social media has changed has allowed us to have these different facets. So for example, when platforms like, you know, Twitter first came out or Instagram first came out, it was very singular in the kind of content you could create. So with Instagram, it was literally just one image. You put one image on, you know, your page and that kind of dictates who you are. As Jacques was saying, it felt very, um, like very linear, like there was no depth to it. But now, because there's so many different elements in creating content uh, on these platforms, so on Instagram, you can now do a carousel, so you can so show multiple images, or you can do a video, or you can do a reel, or you share content in your story. So there's so many different ways to be able to engage now with your audience, and uh, I think it makes you so much more multidimensional, and it allows you to be more than just this picture you know, on the internet that says, this is who I am, and this is what I'm into. Yeah, I totally would. I mean, just to kind of double click on that a little further. Um, I think that right now, if you're if you're creating stuff, you you have more tools at your disposal than ever before, not just to create the actual products you want to make, but I'm talking like platforms as well. I mean, we all saw the wave of Clubhouse, and gosh, I always mess up the name. Is it Dispo? Um, Dispo, the, yeah, Dispo, and, yeah. And there's all these micro communities popping up now, and. Uh, you know, just just making social media that much more. Uh, I mean, it, it keeps breathing life into the space, and and it makes you have to be much more agile if you're tr if you're trying to participate in that. So, 
you know, it's just like listening a lot. I think that I'm sure that Jacques and Tamara and, and Nick, I mean, I'm sure you guys are all reading through your comments to see what people are responding to, what they aren't. And I think that just being a good listener is still something that'll be consistent, you know, in that. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And so with your experience on kind of more of the business side of this Wex, how do you, how do you listen when the communities become more and more nuanced? You know, like it's, it's challenging to create on that, but it's also like probably as plus, someone who's- Yeah, and like with all the fake numbers, I, I hear you. It, it definitely goes like multiple touch points, get as many data points as you can seek out. Um, there is a bit of art versus science to that, I think, where you're still, cause you know, there's tons of numbers out there and you can kind of, uh, how do you say this? They can mean a lot of things. So there's still a bit of like looking at those numbers and saying, all right, is it this person in the first second of 15 minutes of fame or is it, you know, 14 minutes of 59 seconds? And, you know, not that that's a bad time to partner with someone necessarily. It's just like different strategy, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's just like, it comes down to like that belief you have in it and passion you have for it. And if you're willing to like, you know, like what you were saying about creators, like the, the, the challenge of it is that, it's a lot of grind that people are unaware of to get to those things that people see. And there is a lot of energy and effort that goes into that, that is sweat. So, and uh, you know, second layer of thinking, like what Tamara was saying with like, just having to really think about the space and the people and the audience and the factors that you want to sort of speak to. Sweat equity, people forget about that. <laughs> Yo. That's the life, right? I mean, like, I, I see you guys working so hard and it's like, you know, I think the real shift is just that, like, at least for me personally, I see things going from like, you know, in, in the sports world, it's very sort of built around the hero, but I think it's gone from like brand plus XYZ to brand is XYZ person. And just like social media, the, the followings that, that like people are developing through the combos they're having with their audiences, it's, it's tangible now. Yeah. So to that, to that point, how, you know, Jacques, Tamara, how do you, how do you approach all of the, the, the different platforms? How do you keep your own brand across all of those different platforms as creators? Um, I guess I'll hop in real quick. Um, I think it's always, it's, it's, um, you're learning as you go personally. I mean, um, I think, like I also watch a lot of Jacques' content. I have for years. I've been a big fan of his, not only as a creator but as a friend. Um, and seeing how he's been able to carve such a niche for himself and remain such a solid voice in this space for so long is really admirable. And it's hard to do. Um, I was talking about the sweat equity earlier. You know, people don't realize like how much work actually goes into that. And when you're talking about multiple uh, platforms that you're going across. There is kind of, for me personally, as Jacques was saying, like I'm not just a, you know, a sneakerhead. Like I have so many other different facets to what I do. So it is important for me to show that I'm not just that, even though it's a big passion for me um, and uh, a big part of my brand. Um, so you know, on Twitter, for example, I'm not just tweeting about sneakers. You know, So you'll see sneaker stuff in there because obviously it's a big part of the conversations that I choose to be a part of. Uh, but there's a lot of other things that I find very interesting and I choose to retweet and engage in those conversations as well. And even over on Instagram, you know, I have photos where it doesn't show my feet, which 
I get a lot of DMs about when they're like, what's on your feet? What are you wearing today? And I'm realizing that people don't care about me or my face. They care about what I'm wearing on my feet. Um, so, you know, that's something that we adjust to as creators. Um, but I think also like you're forcing your, you know, um, as Wex was saying, listen to your audience. Um, and I think uh, even as a host, that's probably one of the most important uh, tips I can give to anyone that's trying to get into the space is anytime you're doing an interview, your job isn't to really ask, it's to listen. Um, so I, I try and do that as well when it comes to the content that I'm creating. I try to listen and see what people want. And sometimes I force my way into a, a, a space where I'm like, you're not getting a sneaker pick today, just get over it. <laughs> like, uh, just because I don't want to just be seen as, you know, this one lane person, I do have so many other interests, but obviously sneakers is a huge part of that. And I do try and listen to the audience, but at the same time, like, you know, I think we carve our own paths. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, and I would just follow Tamara, just like a lot of it is you listening, like all these different platforms coming out. I think we, you know, we all, everyone here has been here long enough where they kind of have a, a good idea of who they are and what their brand represents and why the audience engages with them, you know, for each, each, individual, each individual. And so you have to find what that is that's, I would say, native to that platform. Like, uh, like I'm on TikTok, but like I'm not on TikTok, like doing the Renegade Count Challenge. That's just not, that's not who I am. We like, would watch that. Yeah, how do we get that? <laughs> but like, that's not who I am. And like, since I, I you know, I, when I think about the platform, I think, okay, this is a young demographic, it's younger. How do I engage and still be who I am? So like I started doing a series where it's like Sneakerhead 101, where I'm just giving like the basics about sneakerheads, but I'm doing it in like a TikTok sort of way, just giving them that information where it's like these quick cuts and stuff popping up and popping down, but it's just giving them the basics of learning about sneakers. So they have an opportunity to learn about it. And instead of seeing me again, do the renegade challenge, that's just not, that's not who I am. I mean, I can do it. But it's, it's not, you know, it's just not what what I'm known for. So I think listening to the listening to the platform, listening to your audience, and really bringing in who you are to that platform is really uh, is really what's going to make the difference and allow you to kind of continue to be who you are and continue to to to, to progress forward. Like I I try to remain who I am uh, on every platform that I that I create product, and I think that's what people get from me. I think authenticity also reads through the multiple platforms. You know what I mean? So whether you're talking about one thing on one platform or one on another, you, you remain authentic to who you are and the conversations that you choose to be a part of. And I think that reads like audiences a hundred percent can feel that when it's coming through and just to kind of piggyback on, on Jacques note again, and I use you as an example, Jacques, uh, not because you're in front of me, but also because I genuinely love the content you create. Um, but even being able to parlay um, your like your hard pass or you know what's popping or, or content like that, you've been able to also use into your TikToks, which I think is really smart. Um, being able to use content like making one version of content and cutting it in a certain way so that it can go across different platforms. Yeah, I I would agree, Jacques. You are definitely a shining example of how to like distribute in a sense in, but like in completely unique ways. I think that's something that, you know, we've talked about offline, you know, and I, I think like this also makes me kind of wonder, you know, the almost to, to Tamara's point about people DMing, wanting to see shoes. 
<laughs> I am going to kind of dive into this a little bit because I think there's some interesting conversation around it. So I personally, you know, you all know me because of sneakers. We all became friends because of sneakers and, and various other things that we enjoy. But one thing that has shaped what I do online, or at least for the first, let's say, 10, 15 years of my old man career that I'm working on now, <laughs> is that I got into the rhythm of posting sneakers so much that I find that, you know, the, the Instagram algorithm or Facebook or whatever platforms don't necessarily want to see my, what I would consider a beautiful face. But hey, if the world only wants to see my shoes and I got to get the likes, then I got to post the shoes. So me as a person, I, I've shifted to posting a much wider variety of what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And that's also been really challenging because I don't see the results. I don't see the numbers go up. So how do you, I guess I'll ask you this first, Wex, how do you, you know, kind of take that into consideration as you're thinking about, you know, all these different nuances of who we are as individuals? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's facts. I mean, especially like, you know, there was, there was definitely a time where um, maybe, how do you say this? When Instagram took the likes away, it kind of was a relief for that exact reason, because it was like, all right, now I can, I don't have to feel so, and, and like some of those DMs get pretty aggressive. You know, it's not just like post sneakers, please. It's like <laughs> a lot of negative about whatever it is you did that wasn't that, you know, and, I, and, it, and it's weird because subconsciously, I think that does Im impact people to like kind of silence them in a way, which is, you know, a whole other topic. But um, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when people are like, just do that. It's like, don't follow me. But um, there is an influence there. And, uh, you know, again, like uh, likes, some people equate those to dollars. So like it, it, there is a very direct relationship between the engagement that you can achieve through what you're posting and, and your, your income. So it's, it's a real life question. Um, I think for every single person, it's different though. And it goes back to like kind of where these guys were talking about earlier and just remaining authentic to who you are, regardless of what that up and down is, because there might be an occasion where you realize that that controversy you're causing by doing other than what people expect is actually the disruptive thing that opens up a new audience for you as well. So I would always encourage people to just kind of blow through that stuff as someone who's lost thousands of followers posting political stuff that people don't want to hear from me, you know? So it, yeah, I mean, it's gnarly, the, that whole thing, but you know, again, story for another day. I do think that's a, a, a topic and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this to you, Jacques, because we've talked about this for longer than I would care to discuss on camera uh, about the integrating of the things that we're passionate about without, alienating you know the people that aren't ready to have those conversations because uh you know I, you all know i'm very vocal about this uh, to a fault in, in sometimes like i i get very riled up about it i'm a very calm and smiley person most of the time but when i hit those points it's it's really hard for me to it's really hard for me to even even like get to the understanding with people and as someone who has has you know evolve your content into much i don't want to i don't want to say more important you know to me personally it's more important but it's it's you know it's your content right and i think that 
conversation in itself is what I'm trying to get at here, I guess. How, how do you approach that? How do you, how do you think about that? And how has that evolved for you? Because, you know, we continue to see these things that happen in the world where, uh, you know, I, I want to say that like the, the four of us can, can connect as grounded human beings first and foremost. And I think that's, what's great about the people that I've been able to work with throughout the years. Yeah. But we also got to get out there and fight at the same time, you know, to Wex's point. So how, how do you take that in and how do you, you know, integrate those thoughts into what you do? Um, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll keep, we, let's keep it a buck. Like at first it's scary. Like you don't want to do that. Like you don't want, you know, you don't want to risk the likes, especially for you know people in a position like Tamara and I, where social media is a part of our business. It's not just like we're posting for fun and like, this is like, it doesn't matter what we post or something like this can really impact our bottom line. So there is, there is a fear there. Like, let's, let's be honest. I don't want people to think that we're just posting willy nilly and not, and not caring about it. But I think also we have to, as, as creators, we have to get to a point where we're comfortable being who we are and letting people know that's who we are. Um, it would be a disservice to me and a disservice to my audience if I didn't speak up about certain things. Um, because if I can tell them to go buy a $190 sneaker, I can also tell them to go vote because that's just mm -hmm. as important there that like, and, and, you know, maybe the way that messaging is, is like, Hey, going to vote is going to make sure that there are no taxes on that shoe that you buy for $190. So maybe it's tying it in in a way that they can relate to and making it important to them in, in, in a way. But then there's also, I mean, just the fact of like, if I don't know where I heard this from, but it's been like living in my head for like the last six months is if you live for the cheers, then you die by the booze. And like, we can't do that as a creator. We have to, we have to just survive on our own creativity and what we want to create, not what the response is to that. So I, I've kind of adopted that sort of philosophy that like whether people like it or not, that's kind of the message of that's who I am. And that's the message that I'm going to put out there. Um, and if they like it, great. If they don't, that's unfortunate, but that's who I am. And that's what, that's the package that you get when you like a Jacques picture of his sneaker or you like a Jacques picture of him telling you to go vote. Like that's the package that you get. And I can't, I can't let the likes determine whether or not I share content that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Tamara, you kind of have an interesting um, place in this, right? As someone who works on camera for other people, but also does a ton of content creation for yourself. So maybe you could speak to kind of the nuances of both of those lanes that you have to play in. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, um, as you said, when you open the segment is that we're all human beings. And uh, aside from our passion, when it comes to sneakers, we are, passionate about, um, or a lot of the people that I have loved through this sneakers uh, world are passionate about the social causes that have been so blatantly in our faces the last couple of years. And I think as someone who has some sort of base at all, or has an audience or has a voice at all, um, I think it is, um, I mean, I guess ignorant may be the word, not to use your platform when it comes to certain things, um, because it's, what what are we doing this for really? You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, as Wex was saying, he got some crazy DMs, uh, we've all gotten them, you know, like, 
Uh, the second I, you know, showed that I was at a protest, it, I got a lot of um, DMs from people that felt that it, I should stay in my lane or whatever it may be. Um, and then at that point, you realize it's more about, um, for me, I was like, look, if this isn't something that you can get behind, then I don't want you following me anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not the energy I want anywhere near me. And it's not energy that I advocate for, um, you know, and even with everything that's going on now, um, you know, with uh, um, with the Asian community and like, it's important for all of us to speak up because just like the black community, just like the Asian community, like they're all very much ingrained in our sneaker space, you know, like everyone has their hand in this space and it would be really uh, in poor taste for us not to show and be vocal to support everyone in our community. Um, and yeah, it's it's tough because uh, you get a lot of mean things and I'm, I'm Middle Eastern, you know, like I, you get a lot of mean things sometimes when it comes to this space, but you have to stand true to who you are and remain authentic. And if you're coming from your heart, then it doesn't matter if I lose followers. I really don't care. Like it do that doesn't matter to me. Like what matters is maybe as Jacques was saying, is inspiring maybe some people to go vote and use their voices uh, however they choose to use it. So, so it, yeah, agreed. So in regards to that, you know, we I think we've all been in positions where we end up, you know, we're working with people that don't share the same views with us, right? The more we grow, the more people we work with, we, we inevitably end up in these positions where we have to navigate those tough conversations. Thankfully, most of us get to do it offline and then our creation comes out in a different way. So how do you navigate that in terms of, you know, because on one hand, yes, like I'm with you in, you know, the DMs, like you can, you can find your way home somewhere else. Like there are a million other people to go follow on the internet. Don't bother me. But at the same time, you know, there are people that are close to probably all of us, you know, me personally, like I come from a background that is very like challenged in like <laughs> many different ways. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. But like, we all know the people that we have to kind of navigate in the business world because we don't get to always choose that. Like I get to choose who's going to talk with us here, but how do we navigate those choices and those conversations outside of this arena where we set the, the boundaries? Depends what day of the week you ask me that question. I mean, like, so, me too. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, my gut is like, you got to just kind of be patient and compassionate and stuff. But I mean, there's definitely now, I think, a, a kind of been a line drawn and, and that those sort of like things that you are what you walk past and like people have walked past too much at this point. And it's time to sort of recalibrate like what's acceptable and what isn't in every which way. And we're seeing it forms of violence right now. I completely agree. And um you know it's tough to navigate that stuff with family members with co co-workers with with partners with all the above um but you know it's funny because like especially with the political stuff or, or or whatever like i'm you know obviously older than you guys and like i grew up at a time where like you just didn't talk about that stuff and so that you were able to like keep things in the middle where you could always have a shared experience but now you know, you could grow in this flex space, the person, you know, if this was an apartment building, the person directly next door could have a social media construct around their life that's totally different than mine. So like just living in the same building wouldn't matter anymore, living in the same community or physically. And so it's just, it, it, 
it's going to require even thicker skin and sort of like listening, fighting through this like uncomfortable, you know, we couldn't be from more different worlds, peace, or I don't even know. But like, yeah, I, I, I just, it's, it's definitely, I mean, especially here in Portland, like just look outside the flex space. I mean, it's, it's um, the overreaction to the protests against police brutality by the government created an entire environment here that's just been, you know, crazy for 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 this four square block radius, I should say, yeah. in the city. Yeah. It's been broadcast to the whole world as Portland's on fire and riots and all these words that are totally false. So it's like, you know, I, I have a very uh, close perspective on that. But I just want to kind of say one thing. It is so cool to hear Jacques and Tamara talk about what they just said, because like the clarity of purpose and everything they say, it's so, it's so, it sounds like the decision-making is so easy for you guys. Like, and, and um, it's just cool. It's cool to hear that. It's like that whole idea of like just being who you are and going with your heart is definitely, um, if you can put your heart out there, I think people will want to share it with you and protect it with you. Yeah. I think, I think human, we're all human at the end of the day. And we all like, we all have compassion and, and we're all passionate about certain things. And, I think that's what makes the decision easier. And it maybe, you know, maybe it's just, you know, a certain clarity I have uh, that Tamara has now um, that we had to grow into as we got older. Um, and, you, and, and what other people thought of you became less important. You know what I mean? And may, maybe, maybe that's, that's part of it. But, you know, again, I don't want to make it seem like it was easy because like these are important decisions that people have to make. Some people don't want to share that kind of stuff. And that's and that's their decision. But I think, you know, Tamara and I have decided to go a different a different way. I, I just think that the person that watches my video is smart enough now to know that I feel a certain way about certain things. They've watched enough of my content and I've shared enough of myself that they know I feel a certain way about certain things. And for me, it's almost doing kind of what I said earlier. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to them if I don't if I don't speak up about it or, or say or say something about it. Like I don't, there, there's no longer a fear of me speaking out of my beliefs because I think the audience is smart enough to know that I have, that I have beliefs. Kind of like, like rappers doing product deals. Like before, like you were a sellout. If you were, if you were a rapper and you, and you linked up with, I don't know, you linked up with Ty or, or whatever. But now like, that's just commonplace. Like people are like, get, get your bread, bro. Get that, get that bag. You know, go ahead, scoop where it is, whatever it is you're doing, like get that money. And I think that's that that same sort of thinking where like that 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 sort of philosophy has changed. I think that's the same thing when it comes to you being who you are. Like people want you to be who you are, and that's how they that's how I think the the affinity of your brand becomes stronger because they know who you are and what you believe. Well, I have a question for you, uh, coming from the brand side of things. So, um, for us as creators. Uh, even before the last couple of years, like there was always this notion of us being brand safe, for example, um, and, you know, maintaining a certain level of decorum on the internet. Uh, I mean, I think we we're both like good people. We don't like wild out anyway, but like, uh, you know, maintaining a certain level of decorum on the internet uh, because we are, you know, work with brands and we acknowledge that we work with brands and we want to continue to work with brands that we love. Um, but I feel like in the last couple of years, um, in terms of us being more vocal outside of the space of just sneakers, um, I feel like brands have been more lenient when it comes to um, the quote unquote brand safe, not not meaning like um, 
obviously cancel culture is a real thing, but for us to be able to speak out on causes that do mean something to us, I feel like now there is more space for us to do that. Whereas before, maybe three, four years ago, if we had been political, maybe we would have not been deemed brand safe. Um, I, I'm curious from your standpoint, if, if you've seen the shift like that too. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it used to be like a Senate confirmation hearing, like they go back through the old tweets and yeah. And now it's like, um, definitely a different lens because, you know, with the void of like that's in society, brands have stepped in, you know, the great work that Nike's done, Adidas done, um, other brands and, and sort of trying to step in where government has stepped away over the last four years. Uh, you know, I, I completely, yeah. I, I totally see that being more open-minded, but at the same time, I think there's a bit of, uh, you know, the person that holds the pen writes history type thing where it depends who's sort of leading those brands in terms of which direction that's blowing a little bit too. So there's subjectivity, which can get tricky and create complexity with that as well, but maybe more openness. Um, for sure. I, I think that the, the brands would definitely like do a lot more digging through sort of back history now because there's more data, but there's going to be more leniency about sort of or more context, you know, sought for when there's like red flags. Right. I love what you said. I just want to like note that for people listening where you said where the brands have stepped in, where the government has stepped out. I think that's <laughs> thing that you just said the fact yep. that we've had to have brands be the voices for us and the government was silent so well I, if you're gonna do that then i want to say the biggest gem that i think got passed over that people are need to understand is jacques ability to understand the environments he's chopping his content for and how he monetizes that multiple times because i think that that's pretty unique to that world and might actually be like a secret for you I, i'm not <laughs> sure it's like disclose something, but I feel like that's something that not a lot of people fully recognize and that you're kind of leading, at least from the outside in, you know, seeing the work. But um, anyway, I, I, this has been fine for sure. Yeah, well, so that's, I'm so glad you asked that, Tamara, because that's actually something that I wanted to ask anyway. And since Jacques kind of led us into the hip hop conversation and, and the conversation around, you know, brand sponsorships and and, and having to be safe in the, I guess, safer in the past, which we all kind of seem to agree on. You know, I, I always, and, you know, knowing Wex's background prior to, you know, his, his fame in the last five years and being a hip hop fan, that's something that I think is very, you know, interesting, right? Because I always look to musicians and, and, you know, movie stars probably at the highest level, right? Like that's like, you've gotten to a point where, you've you have to make a lot more of those do i partner with these people decisions when you're at that level right mm -hmm. but i always for me it always goes back to like tupac albums right you always have to know your audience and look your audience is going to want to scream one day to wex's point about dealing with this your audience is going to want to scream one day they're going to want to cry the next they're going to want to fight the next and that's a part of the whole package of who we are and i'm i'm actually super excited that you all have kind of hit on that because one of the things that like, I guess talking to like the younger folks that I've worked with in the last few years is they seem to not even have these inhibitions, right? Like, you know, I, I actually more optimistic about the, the future, you know, as crazy as it sounds like it has been insane, but like the younger generation is just like, 
you know, F it. We're already, we already know that this is who we are and we're going forward. And I'm like, look, it took me 20 years to figure out who I became between 15 and 35, you know, like, how did you get there so fast? But like with that in mind and to, to Wex's point about Jacques being able to chop up the content and, and distribute it in those ways, how do you, how do you mentally, you know, kind of think about that as you're connecting with the consumer, but also with the brands you work with? I think that's for you, Jacques. That's for you, Jacques. <laughs> oh, for me specifically. Oh, okay. Um, well, I think when I when I think about, I guess the, the 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 content that I when I think about the content that I put out, I try to. What's the best way to say this? Um, I try to I, I try my best to keep it authentic to me, and I think. I've I've just been lucky enough that I've been able to monetize that across platforms. And so when I, when I, when I create content, I I'm very specific that I'm not creating it for the brand and I'm not creating it for for my audience. I'm creating something that I would want to see. And I think that's that's been like the key thing for me across all of these platforms is is me creating something that I would want to watch and I would want to see and that just so happens to fall into the bucket that the brand is okay with and that my audience okay is okay with. Um, now, if that ever goes away, I'll be in, I'll be in a big problem. I'll have a big problem. And I'll be in trouble. But like, that's, that's my philosophy is like, I want to create, I want to create something. I want it to be good. Uh, I want it to be high quality and I want it to be something that I would personally enjoy. Cause if I don't enjoy it, then my audience is going to see that I don't enjoy creating it. So I try to, I try to keep that in my mind when I'm creating everything, whether it's for a brand or I'm just creating it on my own to, to put on social media for myself. So I guess I'll ask Tamara this, but like, you know, knowing what Jacques just said and, and you know, just me and him knowing each other and knowing the, the roadblocks that you might run into as a creator, as a, as a host, how do you, how do you take that no and turn it into a yes? How do you take that no and not take it personally, you know, the same way that you're kind of having to do that and with the DMs about your shoes, right? Like, like, I guess speak to that because... It's a huge part of what all of us end up doing, you know, publicly, right? Yeah. I mean, look, in the business that I'm in, I can't tell you how many times I've heard no. Um, if I listened to every single no that was thrown my way, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's just a simple fact. <laughs> I think one of my favorite stories that I tell is like, I got my hosting career when I started working at Complex. And the first time I applied to Complex, they told me no. Um, and I just didn't give up. And a year later, reapplied. So I think... Um, the, when you turn a no into a yes, it, it's more of just like the conviction in yourself that you have that like you're supposed to be doing what you want to be doing. Um, I think for me personally, like as a creator, uh, and even uh, I kind of thought about it as Jacques was speaking is when he was talking about making content that's super high quality. So I get in my way a lot. So I, I'll have an idea, right? And I'm like, oh, this is a really good idea. And then when it gets down to the execution of it, I think it gets so big in my head, it becomes... Um, well, now it has to be perfect. Now it has to, you know, as he was saying, it has to be high quality. It has to be edited this way. It has to look this way. And I get so far in my head that I don't create it because it becomes this big thing. Whereas, um, you know, as someone who doesn't quite create the level that Jacques does, I think for me, a lot of times 
and, and I'm realizing this now as I'm speaking that I, I get in my own way and that sometimes I just need to put it out and then just keep getting better the more I put things out. Yeah. yeah. So I've been telling myself no, apparently, and I need to stop doing that. <laughs> I think I think all of us would agree that we all do that at times, and that's a part of yeah. you know getting through it. Um, so I want to circle back to one of the questions. I'll try to get to everybody's questions as we go on. But one of the questions early on was on the business side: How do you get people on board with something that's cool and sheds good light on a brand, but may not show up on the stack column? Um, a lot of those things. I think you have to first take the take the initiative and, and maybe show them bits and pieces of it through your work and so that they, they have an understanding of what it is. I feel like a lot of times when you work with brands, um, they're not necessarily in the culture, so they don't necessarily understand the nuances of the culture. Um, they may have a relationship with you. And I think if you like I was creating videos on my own before brands started messing with me and to see that I could create videos. Like I couldn't just go to a brand and be like, yo, hire me. I'm, I'm ready to make videos for you guys. Like I had to have this history of creating content to show them that I understood the culture, but I also understood the brand and I understand like th that their side of it as well. And so I, I think for me, that's the, that's the way to do it. Whether it's creating a small version of that for your own audience that, that doesn't necessarily, like if you don't have to necessarily work with that brand to create. A brand needs to see that you can fit. They need to see that work. And then also there's times when they're just going to say no, like, and that's okay. Like, that's not, that's not saying that there's necessarily something wrong with your idea. It just may not fit that brand at the time. They, they, every brand has goals. They have a marketing budget. They have a plan that that's six months out of what they're going to roll out and your idea may be great and wonderful, but it just may not fit their marketing plans and their boss or their boss's boss is not going to allow them to spend an extra whatever amount it is to do that project. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. But if you present a good idea, maybe six months down the line, a year down the line, they're hitting you up like, yo, remember that idea you had about, about VR and creating like a virtual training class in the middle of All-Star Weekend? Like, we want to try that. Like, how, how do we how do we make that happen? So I, I think just being being aware and not like being like, oh, fuck them. They didn't like my idea. I ain't, I ain't never going to work with them again or, or going on social media and like, yep, you know, just pitch them the best idea they ever had. They don't know what they missed. Like, that, ain't the, that ain't the vibe. Like that ain't that ain't the way to go. Like hold, hold that. Like and, and then. If they don't like that idea, think of a new one. Like there's so many different things. Like think of a new idea. Maybe maybe that doesn't fit their their marketing plan or the marketing brief. Think of a new one. Like that's your job as a creator. Your job is to continually create and to make different things. Um, that's a long way winded answer, but like there's so many different way to, ways to answer that question. So no, um, that I, I just think you have to you have to be more versatile than be like this was the one idea I have for you. Y'all don't like it? No, I'm out. True, true. I mean, that you could literally get off that phone call where they tell you a million reasons why it's wrong. That call could come in about the change in direction for their organization, which that person most likely doesn't control. They could be calling you back two minutes later. I mean, like yeah. that could change on a dime to your point. So it's like timing. The good ideas are good ideas. And it's it's a matter of like where people are at. You're totally, I completely agree. It's like, don't shelve that or like, 
you can park it and try to keep going in that door or eventually wait for them. They're going to hit you up if it's solid. Wex, could you could you go a little bit further on this topic in terms of, I guess, like you, you, you know, you're somebody that I look at that is, uh, you know, on the corporate side, but has like an absolute finger on the pulse compared to most of the most of the suits that we've all worked with in our Agreed. lives. One hundred percent. So, could you speak to you navigating that same conversation, you know, within the corporate environment? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the the rejection factor is pretty high, and um, you know, if anything, I think the bigger the company, the the sort of slower um, those projects would go through. So, um, even things that have like backing from the top down. Um, moving fast will take months. And, and if it's something that doesn't have that level of support all the way from the top, it could be years. I mean, literally years. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, just speed of decision-making and stuff. But uh, I think that there is like a, you know, when you go to like the thing you were talking about earlier with like controversy versus squeaky clean and those things, you know, there's this and the brand safe stuff that Tamara's even get into. It's like, the the partners that brands select typically are you know they want to work with people who aren't going to have like pr reputational issues that they're going to have to sort of live with but if you look at all the like people driving culture they're they're straight up as human as it gets and and uh and as real people as it gets at this point and i think that social media has kind of transformed a lot of like what brands are are now capable in terms of like the 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 risks that they'll take with partners. But um, if you're trying to propose something to a brand, I very much would agree with Jacques that like, if you think about the tent poles that brand has and how to build into those environments versus coming with a, like a, a completely different thing that is gonna be totally new to them, it's gonna take like a very long track record of success and like energy and sort of it factor to walk right in and land that project. I think that like, the the idea of like sort of getting in the door once you're in you get a level of success test and iterate to get to like the yeses and then you can break down every door in that brand because most brands have like brand manager for this category that category you know this product range gender whatever they segment it some way and all those people have a voice in the decision so um you know you kind of shape it for the audience but just keep banging doors that's my only advice. I mean, for real, I've, I've seen things change so fast that not, not just Adidas, but at other places where it's like, you know, new SVP comes in, you have a whole new outlook on stuff. Yeah. And then you can go sign a Kanye West versus not, you know, like that, that's like one of the major sort of chapter turns for them. And, and that came about as a result of one of these moments where the window opened and, you know, there was a shift in the brand direction. Yeah. So yeah. So, I think people should understand like the human side of, of a brand, like there are employees working at a brand and your project could be great, but that employee may be like, oh, I'm not on solid footing with my boss or uh, my last brand, my last review didn't do well. So I can't take this risk, even though I think this is a good idea. I have to do something safe to make sure that I get my, that I keep my job. Like all those things factor into the decision-making process. So it, it may have absolutely nothing to do with you. It could literally be uh, 
my boss caught me on shopping the other day. And so I got to make sure that the next thing I bring to them is on good terms. And it could literally be, could be something as simple as that. Like, so your idea is great. It's a little risky, but, but I like it. But I know that I can go with the person that they've always went with and get the same exact thing. And it's going to guarantee me this and I'm going to do fine. Like, I'm going to go with that because I don't want to lose my job. So like those all, like there's thousands of those type of things that are involved in the decision-making process. So, so don't take it personally at all. Not every no is a no. Sometimes it's a not yet. Yep. Yeah. And I think I would, I would almost hammer that home a little bit, right? Like Jacques and I uh, collectively together have probably shelved 10,000 ideas for the 10 that you've publicly seen come to light. And, you know, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to bounce back and forth and be on all different sides of this business. And uh, for me, I just love learning. So that's why I move around a lot and learn the different aspects. But I think that, you know, that's absolutely right. It really does depend on the day of the week to to, to go back to the other part of the conversation about, you know, how we choose to to say yes to things. Like that's also exactly it for so many people on, on all sides of this, right? And so that said, there's been a couple of questions about working with, uh, let's say a smaller brand, you know, that uh, that doesn't necessarily have the, you know, the clout or the, the, they're not the cool kids right now. How Tamara, like in your mind, how do you approach that with say, you know, I don't want to throw brand names specifically out there, but like, let's say there's a, let's say there's a footwear brand that's, you know, semi off the radar for the sneakerhead community. How, what do you consider in like actually partnering with them? Uh, well, I, I partnered with the sneaker brand. Um, you have their sneaker on my wall somewhere. Um, I've partnered with the secret brand that is not is a no-name brand. They're a brand out of Australia. And they're just literally these young kids that I thought actually made really good sneaker because uh, they sent it to me and the material is really nice and the design was unique. And I partnered with them just, you know, and, you know, we, as Jacques knows, like we have rates that we give to brands and we work for certain rates. And I literally gave them the homie discount because like, I know they were up and coming and I just wanted to, on the strength, give support because I think it's really dope when someone is coming up and, you know, someone kind of gives a hand as much as they can to lift them up. Um, so I, and I did see another question in there earlier, uh, and it kind of maybe touches on this a little bit. Um, I've also said no to big brands because I didn't like the sneaker. So that was, um, I think that was like the first time when I had a bag in front of me and it was a big bag and it was a big brand. And they wanted me to post about a sneaker and I genuinely just didn't like it. And I, and I remember thinking like, maybe I could like put a really dope outfit with it and make it look dope. And I was just like, yeah, no, I just, I can't actually give this to my audience and say, I stand behind it when I did it. And I told my manager, I can't do this partnership. My manager wasn't happy because it was a big bag. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I do think we were talking about it earlier, authenticity. And for me, oh. it's also trust. You know, it's like I do believe that our audience trusts us when we are in a position of being some sort of tastemaker, um, that we need to stay true to who we are. And sometimes that includes saying no. And it sometimes includes saying yes to a much smaller bag because it's a brand that you uh, want to support and have uh, actual faith in. Versus a big brand that would probably bring you a lot more money, but uh, it's not something that you morally can stand behind and put your name on. Yeah, one hundred percent. What she said. Like, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> That's it. 
I completely agree. Yeah. It's like the second you fake curate your life, you kill your brand. If yeah. your brand is being an influencer and being out there in the public eye. So again, going back to like knowing what is authentic to you, just like, it's so interesting to me to hear that is it's so awesome. So, so that said, Wex, how do you navigate that in terms of working with creators that, you know, Inevitably, a lot of creators, especially in your not even talking about your Adidas role in your role at Shopify, as you expand and, and you know, I think I text you when you took took the job and just like I, I, I like get excited just thinking about what you will do in the future. Right. Like I think yeah. all of us here do. But that also means uh, you become a you come become a, a guide to a lot of people that haven't navigated these waters yet. So how do you approach those kind of conversations? Oh, that's that's what I get up in the morning to do every day. I mean, that's the funnest part of this whole new world that we're in. Um, it took me six months to kind of find my way here, I would say, but uh, are to like sort of understand how to approach those combos, like what you're tapping into right now. Um, it was, I was maybe a little too excited about it. I think for the first six months, I needed to sort of start listening more and not be so eager to like talk about the vision for the future. And so, you know, what that vision is, is really trying to empower people to build their own brands that they own fully instead of this world where you have to give up all of your intellectual property and publishing rights or whatever space you're in form of ownership to some institution that's been built on some form of like power dynamic because they're, they've been around for a while and have um, sort of, how do you say it? amass the biggest war chest, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term. So my goal is ultimately to help give, you know, like all of us and everyone who, who's hopefully tuning into this, the same level of tools and resources like uh, Kanye would get from an Adidas, so to speak. So um, that's kind of like the long view um, and how we're going to get there is going to be a lot of fun. We've got some good stuff uh, that we've got up our sleeve coming out over the next few months, I would say. And, uh, you know, some things have started to trickle out, uh, recently, just more in the like zeitgeist cultural impact space, but, but, um, yeah, there's some fun things up our sleeve and, and, uh, it's been really fun kind of engaging with different people and having no limitations in terms of category, marketplace product, um, that we're helping people, you know, brainstorm, source, build, design the shop that it's sold in, the experience as well, and um, just go direct and and really, uh, you know, because when it gets into that, like, how do I heat up a brand convo from earlier? There, there's, there's, you know, once you've got this audience kind of coming to you every day, like Tamara was saying, like checking for you to tell them what's cool, what isn't, how, what's happening in this world, how I should be moving, um, you know, if you can figure out what the right product is to offer that space so that they can access you more frequently and, and support you in a, in a larger way, typically they're willing to do it because they want to support you and, and everything you're about. So, you know, especially like Jacques, I mean, he's curating the world for people. Um, you know, anyway, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's what I'm most excited about, kind of taking off just the footwear and apparel piece and kind of getting more expanded and, and looking at different forms of brands and partners, creators, it's really, uh, yeah, there's going to be some really dynamic, fun stuff coming. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Definitely. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to one of the other questions that, that popped up a few minutes ago um, because I think you can all probably give a pretty interesting, unique perspective on this. How do you find the correct person to pitch your ideas to within the brands and the companies? Gosh, trial and error. <laughs> I mean, if you guys are gonna keep it a buck, I mean, you have to. I mean, you know, you obviously have to do your research. Like LinkedIn is your friend. Um, you know, social media is your friend and finding out what these people do, looking up their job descriptions, finding out what that means. Um, and then sometimes it's a cold email like, hey, yo, uh, love your brand Been following you guys for a while. Here's some stuff that I've been doing. Really want to, you know, opportunity to work with you guys. And it's not necessarily pitching someone right away. Like, don't like that cold email shouldn't be like, yo, work with me. It should be like, yo, big fan of your brand. Would love to chat one day if you have time and maybe they don't respond to you. You know, hit it, you take, you know, take a couple months and you hit them back again, just following up, love your products or whatever, whatever that conversation is. It's really, it's really trial and error. Like there is no hard and fast way of finding the correct person outside of doing your research, asking around and, and, you know, just educating yourself on what people do and what their job description is. Yeah. I mean, what Jacques said, um, I think, also, Instagram DM is wildly underused when it comes to trying to partner with brands. Um, aside from, as Jacques said, finding out um, you know through LinkedIn who the person may be to uh, target on Instagram DM, even when you reach out to the brands directly, um, some more often than not, you'll get a response and they'll say, "Yeah, please email me here." So um, use Instagram. It, it's not just a you know a, a catalog of images and videos. It's actually a great networking tool. Um, if you know how to use it properly. And I guess a tip I can give is when you are DMing them, um, you know, especially big brands that have big followings uh, that generally may not see it, they see that first line. So when you go to your Instagram DMs, you see that first line. So in that very first line, write what it is, you know, like collab opportunity or uh, brand, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're trying to tackle, tackle it in that very first line and then put the information below it. Because sometimes you only have that first line to get their attention. Yeah, I would say by any means necessary. It, it, it's, it's I'm with that. I, and like when I was at Adidas, the Twitter cold call was not my friend because there was just so many, you know, whatever things coming in. But there was definitely an instance going back to your no, not yet this, this distinction uh, where I met with the guy's name is Herb Benitez, found a greatest day ever uh, music festival in New York. Um, sat down with him and Juice in our office in New York at Adidas back in Matt Ting back in the day. And he presented the idea to us. And as soon as we greenlit it, he said, oh, this is awesome. I wish you, you know, tweeted back at me two years ago. And I was like, lesson learned, man. You know, like, thank you for sharing that with me. Cause like, I should, I shouldn't be so like dismissive about that space. Like that, that idea was sitting there. And, uh, so yeah, it's for sure. I, I, I completely, uh, can relate to all that stuff. Rex, I will say this about you. You're really good about getting back to people, whether it's through Twitter, Instagram, or whatever it is. Like you're, you're very uh, actively social with your uh, social media, which is uh, applied. Oh, thanks so much. That's cool. I, I, uh, I will say in terms of Twitter DMs, randomest thing. Um, last Monday, I was trying to get a hold of Steven Victor. I was just like, oh, I saw him on Instagram doing some stuff. And uh I went to my phone, you know, I've known Steven for over a decade and I went to my phone and I couldn't find his number. And so then I shut my phone. I was like, oh, I guess it wasn't meant to be. I went back on Instagram and there was a DM from him. We've spoken like 10 times since then. <laughs> so like it's, 
it's, you know, I compl- it's like everything you guys are saying, like, like my recent slash, you know, history of, of life. Like I completely um, have experienced all that stuff. It's wild. It, it is really interesting too, because I, we don't really have time to get into that. Um, but the nuances of all these different platforms and where we're communicating, right, is is challenging in itself, right? Not even just like consuming the content, creating content, working with each other to, to, to partner on the content, but also just keeping in touch versus, you know, across all these different platforms is really is like ridiculous. But um, so I guess the last question that I have for everyone, um, you know, first, thank you all for, for taking the time. I know you all have a million things to do, and I'm super appreciative that we could squeeze this in and have this conversation because I know that there will be people, there's already been people in the chat, but I know that people will take this and, and, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, we're going to have somebody DM us or, mm-hmm. or we're going to be at a show someday and be like, yeah, we watched you guys talk and yeah, <laughs> we just took all that advice and ran with it. So um, my question for you all, and, and I guess I'll, you know, again, go back to Jacques because you're at the top of my screen, but what's the thing that you're most excited about? What's the 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 change that's going to come from all of this last, you know, let's say year, year and a half that you're most excited about going forward? Um, gosh, um, I, for me, the the thing that's always exciting is getting to a point for me, getting to a point where I can see the people behind me do things. So like. I, I feel like I obviously I stand on the shoulders uh, of people that that came before me, Scoop, Russ, you know, all like all of those guys that were doing this sneaker stuff before me. Like I'm able to do what I do because because of them. And I feel like I've been lucky enough where I've been able to kind of progress the culture forward, do things outside of sneakers, show people that you can be a sneaker guy and also do other things. You can work with Microsoft. You can. You can work with Activision. You can work with all of these companies. You can do stuff on TV. You can like you can do all of these things. So for me, it's like seeing who does like seeing the people that act, that are after me, seeing how active they are, see how they take what I've done and kind of just like crush that down to the ground and be like, now, now this is the area you can work in. And like they have the power to do that now. They've been empowered to do that. They've been empowered to be who they are. And, and be able to do those things, not because they did certain sneaker things, but just because they were able to be who they are and speak their mind and be human and, and be compassionate and be passionate and show compassion to other people because of what they've seen in the last few years and how much that's affected them personally and as a person. So for me, that's what I'm excited about, seeing how the challenges and everything that we've gone through in these last two years and for the last 10 years of my career, how someone's going to be able to compress that into a little ball and use that as just like the launching pad, like the step of their their road, their trip down the road to make a bigger and better life for themselves and for the community. That's so cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. How about you, Tamara? I mean, hard to beat that, but um, <laughs> um, I'd say... For me, just being a woman in this space, like seeing how how we are so much more visible now, um, and uh, you know, because it's a brand discussion, I'll talk about like women now being uh, in higher positions in these brands. Um, so you know, you look at the deal with Foot Locker and Melody Asani, which I think is so fantastic because you know, for all these years, there's probably been a man in that position who was trying to be the gatekeeper gatekeeper of what women thought 
uh, or what they thought women wanted out of the sneaker space. And now to have an, a woman that's been in the space for so long and, and is such like a tastemaker and has such dope style to be in that position to say, this is what we really want. Um, and even just with Anna, who was in a, a couple of your combos now being uh, a director at uh, Soul Savvy, you know, it's like these positions, thankfully now are being held by women. Um, and I think it's so dope to see how many more women are jumping in this space. One of my favorite, um, so when I was shooting TRL, uh, there's like a, a, a space between the green room and the studio. And I'd have to cross this little hallway between the uh, green room and the studio. And I'm generally not wearing sneakers on TRL because they wouldn't let me, but <laughs> um, there's a little space where they would have uh, you know, some of the audience members um, kind of stand in that space. I was walking out once and I saw this little girl. She was probably like six years old, maybe super young. Um, and as I'm walking, she says, she's like, Tamara, look at my sneakers. And I like, I literally was, uh, sorry, I'm like getting like warm thinking about it. Um, it was so cute because she, she didn't know me as like Tamara, the, the host of this TV show. She knew me as like this Tamara, like who sneakers and she was so excited to show me her sneakers and I was like that's the thing you know it's like when I was little and I was six years old wearing my sneakers girls didn't like that <laughs> you know like uh it, it wasn't something that I could share with other girls because um either they didn't feel like they were supposed to like it or wherever it was but it was uh dope to feel like you're influencing a, a younger generation into uh, a space that you've loved for so long so cool it's like the, the the spirit of leaving a legacy it's like a it just seems so happening now and it's so so uplifting because like if anything you know the sneaker community doesn't always feel like a community but you know hearing this discussion it definitely does it's like amazing um it's so inspiring yeah i i for me i i think that um you know obviously with like what i'm trying to pull off over at shopify is uh kind of redefined commerce and and from a creator lens. So that's kind of what I am fixated on. And that's really all I think about now. So it's hard for me to like get out from that to like really broaden my perspective. So uh, staying in my one lane, I will just say that I'm most excited about all the different like capabilities. You know, you guys referenced earlier, like these this this younger wave of kids who who have all the answers in their pocket in that phone and don't feel like they need anyone's help doing it. It is like super powerful. And I think that like, you know, if anything over the last like eight, you know, six, 12 to 12 months of recalibrating all of what's important to everybody, um, you know, it's it's just interesting to see those two things converging. And like it 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 feels like it's gone from this, you know, gaudy money is power world to uh culture is power you know that's like what really is driving things now so you don't have to be the biggest but if you're doing something that's interesting you're gonna you, you're gonna really drive um some interest and, and maybe get some people to, to kind of emulate what you're doing in their own way so i just i just see that expanding likewise that's that's it's such an exciting time i mean it's obviously been a challenging time but like there are so many things to be excited about and um to Tamara's point, uh, just to self-plug, the Outside the Box podcast, I got to sit down with Reham Habib, uh, who we probably all know collectively, but mm -hmm. she has navigated the corporate side of what Tamara just talked about, and we got to spend you know over an hour chopping it up about that. Uh, I would 
highly suggest you go check that out. I mean, I get chills just thinking about the conversation. So, um, you know, it's it's been a pleasure to have all of you on and have these conversations. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm also super stoked that you said that, Wex, because as somebody who has fought to uh, prove that a community exists in the sneaker space for so long, this is kind of what I was hoping would come from this conversation and this series of conversations. So thank you all for, for being a part of this. And, you know, honestly, I, I look forward to doing this in person with you someday too. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Good to see you all guys. Right, everyone. Thank, thank you for listening. You. Tune in. We'll Thanks see you everybody. Soon. Talk to you guys. Bye. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. We just launched our new merch, including tees, stickers, keychains, and a bunch of other pieces you can grab to show your support for the podcast. You can purchase it now through our companion site, sittingtreasure.com. You can also get access to more episodes of the podcast by joining our Discord community at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Plus, we've got a bunch of other fun things going on in the community, including trivia nights, giveaways, access to sneaker raffles from around the world, release announcements, and my favorite, just good people helping good people get the sneakers they want. Plus, we're not bought by advertisers, investors, or other big money. I'm confident in saying this is the best sneaker community I've ever been a part of. We've also teamed up with a few partners to offer our supporters discounts. You can find some in the links for this episode and even more in our Discord. Give us a try, and if you don't enjoy it, you can always cancel the membership at any time. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of someone showing appreciation. Thank you all for the support, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.